0: How many of you have had a bad day? Anybody had a bad day? Uh, Everyone had a bad day. We all have, not today, I mean like in general, like man, you just had a crummy, crummy day. Often we have bad days. I want to read something uh, just to uh, help us to uh, to understand where we're going. Uh, I have a friend named Alexander and he had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I'm to read something to you as we get started. We will get into much scripture. Alexander said, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard, and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running, and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At breakfast... Anthony found a Corvette Stingray car kit in his breakfast cereal box. I don't know if they have stuff in cereal nowadays, but he says, And Nick found a junior undercover agent code ring in his breakfast cereal box, but in my breakfast cereal box, all I found was breakfast cereal. I think I'll move to Australia. In the carpool, Mrs. Gibson let Becky have a seat by the window. Audrey and Elliot got seats by the window, too. I said I was being scrunched. I said I was being smushed. I said if I don't get a seat by the window, I am going to be carsick. Have any of you men ever heard this from your wife about them getting carsick? You guys need to participate. Anybody ever? My wife from time to time gets carsick. Okay. Uh, no one even answered. I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At school. Mrs. Dickens liked Paul's picture of the sailboat better than my picture of the invisible castle. At singing time, she said, I sang too loud. At counting time, she said, I left out 16. Who needs 16? I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I could tell because Paul said I wasn't his best friend anymore. He said that Philip Parker was his best friend and that Albert Moyo was his next best friend and that I was only his third best friend it's hard to be third best friend I hope you sit on a tack I said to Paul I hope the next time you get a double decker strawberry ice cream cone the ice cream falls the ice cream part falls off the cone and lands in Australia there were two cupcakes in Philip Parker's lunch bag and Albert got a Hershey bar with almonds and Paul's mother gave him a piece of jelly roll that had little coconut sprinkles on the top Guess whose mother forgot to put in dessert? It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Are you relating to the story ever? Amen. Amen. That's what it was because after school, listen, it gets worse. My mom took us all to the dentist. I hate the dentist. Are you guys with me? And Dr. Fields found a cavity just in me. Come back next week and I'll fix it, said Dr. Fields. Next week, I said, I'm going to Australia. On the way downstairs, the elevator door closed on my foot and while we were waiting for my mom to, get, uh, to go get the car, Anthony made me fall where it was muddy and then when I started crying because of the mud, Nick said I was a crybaby. And while I was punching Nick for saying crybaby, my mom came back with the car and scolded me for being muddy and fighting. I'm having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And I told everybody, no one even answered. So then we went to the shoe store to buy some sneakers. Anthony chose white ones with blue stripes. Nick chose red ones with white stripes. I chose blue ones with red stripes. But then the shoe man said, we're all sold out. They made me buy plain old white ones, but they can't make me wear them. When we picked my dad up at his office, he said I couldn't play with his copying machine, but I forgot He also said to watch out for the books on his his desk, and I was careful as I could be, except for my elbow. He also said, don't fool around with his phone, but I think I called Australia. My dad said, please don't pick him up anymore. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. There were lima beans for dinner, and I hate lima beans. There was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. I hate my railroad train pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep, and the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not me. It has been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. My mom says... Some days are like that, even in Australia. I notice that sometimes myself and a lot of us have a lot of days like Alexander. Anybody with me? How do we say? Terrible, horrible, no, good, very bad day. Now, are you with me or not? We have them. We hate the railroad train pajamas. Listen, the truth is, and I see it illustrated in Scripture and Ecclesiastes, is that we have this ability to allow our hearts and our minds to be controlled by our circumstances. We allow these seemingly insignificant sometimes, but these daily changes, these bothersome things, uh, to control us, to control our emotions, and affect our spiritual well-being. Uh, Many times, just like a slave is in bondage, We are in bondage to the changing circumstances around us. Um, Have you ever just woke up on the wrong side of the bed, per se? You just woke up and you just, for some reason, had a stinky attitude. Anybody ever had one of those days? You don't know why. But for some reason, something was wrong that morning. It was just bad. We just woke up and this ain't going the way it's supposed to go. We're out of creamer for the coffee. Anybody with me? Out of creamer. Or, uh, man, I, I can't find my keys. Or whatever happens to you. This silly kid peed in the floor. Uh, I have three small children and these things happen. We have things that uh, are circumstances around us that, that can uh, throw our whole day out of whack. Sometimes our attitude is dictated Uh, by uh, these circumstances like our checking account balance or minor inconveniences. So here's the point of my message today and I want to get into this and I want to do a bit of a study. Um, My goal tonight is to show you that Christians should not be controlled by circumstances. Our lives should not be marked by emotional ups and downs based upon the seasons of life. Instead We can experience a consistent optimism, okay? A consistent daily optimism founded in a relationship with Jesus. Here's the key. Because when our circumstances change, we as Christians understand that Jesus never changes, okay? Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let me explain again what we're going to learn. Christians should not be controlled by circumstances. You shouldn't be up and down. You shouldn't be on a roller coaster based upon what's happening to you. You shouldn't let life happen to you. You should happen to it, okay? Uh, there's supposed to be some sort of constant in your life, and it's Christ. Our lives should not be marked by emotional ups and downs based on the seasons of life. See, um, what we're going to learn is Jesus is constant, Our circumstances are changing. Uh, So go ahead and look in Ecclesiastes. See, I've been reading through Ecclesiastes, and if you've ever read this book, uh, you will think that as you start, you're almost reading uh, Alexander in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, because he kind of is gloomy at at the beginning, and he starts to say that all of these pleasures in life are like vanity. They're just meaningless, and we do these things, and they're empty, and they don't bring joy. Um, The author of the book is understood to be Solomon. Solomon is known as the wisest man. it's full of wisdom. Uh, When you go through Ecclesiastes, it's a good book if you just want to step back and take a big picture uh, of life, get kind of a 30,000 foot view and take a look at life. And he kind of cuts through all of the gray matters and says, this doesn't matter, but this is what truly matters. And uh, it's really all about wisdom. Uh, It's all about how can I live life successfully, okay? Uh, Work with me here. How many lives do you have? You just have one, right? Uh, You only have one. It would be wise of us to consider that fact and figure out how to live it the best we can. And that's what Ecclesiastes does for us. It, It gives us God's wisdom, and um, we need wisdom. I will tell you, I need wisdom. Uh, if, you, if you look up wisdom, he talks about a lot of wisdom in Ecclesiastes and in Proverbs and Psalms. But in Ecclesiastes, wisdom, um, it can be defined as skillful living. If you've ever tried to look that up, wisdom is skillful living. Have you ever thought about that? Being good at life, uh, doing it the best way that you can do it. Right, uh, because I'm sure there's a wrong way to do it. It's proper, uh, wisdom is also defined as proper exercising of knowledge. It's the ability to choose and do what is best. Now, where do we get wisdom from? Listen, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, means if you need some, if you got struggles in life, you need some wisdom. Let him ask of God. Ask God for wisdom, and God says, "Gives to all men liberally." He just gives it and gives it and gives it. He abrades not, and it shall be given him. We can ask God for wisdom, and He'll give it to us. Proverbs two says that the Lord for the uh, verse, uh, Proverbs two 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Um, God gives us wisdom. Okay, uh, I just kind of lay in the foundation for where we're going tonight. We need wisdom. And the way we get it is from God, and where we're going to get it tonight is in God's Word in Ecclesiastes, okay? So let's go ahead and start in chapter number 3, okay? In chapter number 3, here's what we find. Let's read together. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes 3.1, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. The Bible says there's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant, okay, and there's a time to pluck up that which was planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, a time to lose. There's a time to keep and a time to cast away. There's a time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence, a time to speak. That's an important one, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. All right. A time to love and a time to hate a time of war, and a time of peace. What prophet hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He, that's God, hath made everything beautiful in his time. I'm going to stop there. As you go through Ecclesiastes, now sorry that my voice is a little funny. I, I might ha- hack up here a little bit. I've been uh, my father-in-law, let me pause here so you know, my father-in-law thought it was a good idea to uh, build onto his deck. He wanted to enclose his deck for Thanksgiving, and uh, he built this wall around the deck and put plastic up, and he put straw all over the floor, and we had this rustic Thanksgiving meal. Uh, I found out I was allergic to straw, and so throughout the day, I started like wheezing and like being short of breath, and I've had problems ever since uh, the other day, so Work with me here. But in, in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything. The Bible talks about life in seasons. Uh, there, there are, we go through different seasons in our lives. There are bad times and there are good times. Okay, There are ups and there are downs. This is natural. Let me say it again. This is natural and should be understood and expected. Not all days can be great. I'm going to continue the message. It doesn't end there. Not all days can be good days. So, we talked about bad days. How many of you can remember a good day that you've had? The best day. I want to tell you about one. Last year, July 31st, 2015, how many of you have ever um, quit a job and worked your last day? How many of you ever had that experience? Was that an enjoyable experience, if you quit, ever, quit a job you didn't like? Okay, so last year in July, I was in a spot in my life where we were following God's leading. We were exercising faith that God is calling us to quit where we were at. I was a salesperson at Verizon Wireless, and God was saying, quit this and, and follow me. And we were like, Abraham, like, all right, we're going to go, and we don't know where we're going to go. And uh, on the last day, it was so great. Uh you have the pictures up there? Do you have the cupcakes? So on the last day, it was awesome because it just happened to be one of those days at work where you could dress casual. You ever have a casual day at work? You you can wear jeans. It's like, "Oh, this is the best thing ever. It's casual day." So it was casual day. Not only was it casual day, they were catering in lunch. And this was a picture I actually took on that last day of these incredible cupcakes they had. On my last day, they're like par- having a party for me. It was wonderful. Uh, go to the next picture. Not only that, uh, I remember this is me on my way out of work on my last day. I was wearing casual clothes. It was a beautiful sunny day. The sun was beating down on my tan skin. And, uh, you know, it was fun. I loved it. I had this pep in my step. This was a great day. Now, I wish that every day could feel that good. Uh, you, you have days like this. You can get my face off the screen. Um, It was an awesome day, but every day is not going to be like July 31st. That's just how life works. That is what we call wisdom. God is explaining to us in Ecclesiastes that there are ups and downs, and we need to realize that. I want you to turn, as I studied Ecclesiastes and I was reading through, I came to one particular verse that just stood out to me, and this is kind of the the verse that God led me to want to preach on this topic today about bad days. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Uh, if you can just flip over in your Bible, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 7, you get through this passage and he says uh, in verse number 10, it says, Say not thou, so here's something you're not supposed to say. Uh, what is the cause that the former days were better than these what is the cause that the former days were better than these days for thou does not inquire wisely concerning this so we're looking at wisdom we want to we want wisdom and god plainly says here's something that's not wise don't ask this question don't ask the question why were those days better than these other days why did it used to be good and now it's not so good now life's not so good. Anybody want to know the answer? Why? Well, it's not wise to ask the question, but God answered the question if you look down in verse number 13. Um, so first of all, this question, it is, it's a question of comparison. We're, we're comparing uh, maybe, say, a year ago to today or we're uh, yesterday to today. Why, it's not wise to ask the question, why was the past better than right now? Well, why not? Verse 13 says, consider or think about the work of God. In this case, the work of God is giving you life, giving you these days. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? In the day of prosperity, that means when you have things going well, when you have plenty of money in the bank, when everything seems to be good and all of your kids and your family seems to be healthy. And there's no apparent problems. Everything's under control. Cons- Listen, it says, in those days of prosperity, be joyful. It's okay. Those a great. We celebrate July 31st days, okay? Um, but he says also, but in the day of adversity, when you have hard times, consider. Think about this. God also... Has set the one over against the other, to the end that man should find nothing after him. Uh, what the Bible says here is that both the good and the bad days were created by God, both of them. Wisdom says that we should take a step back and and get a different perspective on the bad days in comparison to the good days. And here's where I want to take you, and so this can be simple and easy to follow. I, I want you to know that there are really, when it comes to this perspective of a bad day, because really, bad days can mess you up. Things that happen in your life can mess you up. You may be here today, and you're, you're disappointed at where you're at in life. It, it can be a financial issue. You may be saying, I can't believe we're here. Uh, you may be facing job loss. You may be having marital issues, uh, but you may be disappointed with where you're at, um but in every day speaking of days past speaking of today there are three players three pieces three parts in every day three things that are going on they are circumstances they are god and you your circumstances god and you in every day we see this in in the passage it talks about considering the work of God. It says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. Uh, and it, it talks about your circumstances, whether you're uh, prosperous or you're facing adversity. But there's your circumstances, there's God, and then there's you. Listen to this. Your circumstances, what is that? What are you, that's what's happening around you, right? These are things that are ever-changing. Every day they change. Every day they're different. Um. Circumstances are things you don't have control over. They're just things that happen around you as you're going through life. These are things like the economy, uh, the political scene, the weather. Whether it rains or whether it snows or whether it's sunny, you don't get to pick. Financial crisis, things that happen, uh, emergencies, car breaks down, uh, car accidents, career hardships, a change of boss and you, or, or a, a bad season in the company and you get laid off. These are circumstances. These are things that are changing. These are things that you can't really project and you can't get a grip on. Whether or not you get a raise or not. Sometimes the circumstances are good. Like raises. Like time off. Extra time off. Like these great blessings. Listen, family death is one of those things that you don't get to control diseases another thing that's involved in your circumstances is the people around you you don't get to control what uh, many times your older children do or your relatives or your your in-laws or your family you don't get to control them these are circumstances that will always be changing and the truth is in every single day of our life every single day you'll have circumstances okay are you with me on that every day you have circumstances And you can't control them. The second player in every day is God. We read in our passage uh, that God is the one that gave us the day of prosperity, but he's also the one that gave us the day of adversity, or he allows the day of adversity. Now here's the thing about God when it comes to your day. God is there in your past, and he's here today. He is the one that is constant, okay? When I mean constant, he never changes. No matter what the day is, he's always the same. Though our circumstances, if we can't control those things that happen to us, the times we stub our toe in the dark, or the times where we lose $20 bill, or whatever circumstance it is, no matter if it's a big, major issue, or if it's a small thing, whether it's good or bad, God is always the same. In Malachi chapter 3, God says this, he says, uh, Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, I change not. God doesn't change. Hebrews 13.8, we've read this already. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. See, God was in your good time a year ago the same as he is in your bad time today. So I wanted to be encouraging to you tonight and I, wanna, I want us to walk away with uh, four things really, uh, four things about God when it comes to our perspective on our day that we've got to be aware of. On every single day, we've got to pay attention to this. Do you know what? On every single day, God is always in control. God is always in control. Every single day, God is in control. Uh, Psalm 118 24 you'll know this it's a song it's a good one this is the day which the Lord hath made some of you thought I was going to sing I saw it in your faces uh, this is the day that the Lord hath made we will rejoice and be glad in it you know who's in control of today do you know who made today give it back God yeah you guys are fun you're quiet on Sunday evenings you're quiet In the mornings, you're all pumped up, you had your coffee. You all need to drink coffee in the morning and coffee in the afternoon, okay? That's a constant every single day. Have that every day, okay? Uh, God is always in control. God made today. You know who is sovereign, meaning having absolute control over today? God is. God is always in control. We can see this in our passage in in, uh, verse 13, Ecclesiastes 7. uh, I'm sorry, verse 13. Uh, No, verse 13, he said, consider the work of God. Anything that God does, basically, he says, who can make something straight which God made crooked? If God makes a crooked stick, this is kind of the illustration here, no one's going to straighten that stick out, okay? And if God makes a straight stick, no one's going to make the stick crooked. And if God makes a day, no one's going to change the day. God is in absolute control. He says that uh, we consider the prosperous day, and we're joyful, and we consider the day of adversity. But we've got to step back and think that God made both. God made both. He's in control. God is always in control. Another thing I want you to see every single day about God, not only is he always in control. Now, I, I feel like I need to point something out. Um... When God allows something to happen in our lives, He's also, we can rest assured, He's in control of that too. Um, He allows it to come in. There's nothing that happens to us or in the world that God hasn't allowed for some reason or purpose. And, And that leads us into the second thing about God. Every single day, not only is God always in control, God is always good. Do you know that? Every day, even the day that the kids are going crazy, uh, and they do. Yeah, even the day that just your car breaks down and you can't get to work or uh, the roads are bad or whatever you're going to deal with coming up. Listen, every day God is always good, every single day. Romans eight twenty eight tells us this, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Uh, there's this underlying thing that we have to trust in God is that though he's in control and though we experience some bad things, we have to know that there's no one that's a greater cheerleader for us. There's no one that loves us more and there's no one that has our best interest at heart more than God does. And he can take even the things that are bad and he can work them out for good. And you've got to know that every single day. God is always in control. God is always good. The third thing about God is that God always gives hope. I'm talking about the bad days, the terrible, no good, dirty, rotten, bad, 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 bad days. Okay, we have them. Do you know what? Even in the worst situation, there's always a a hope with God. There should be a consistent optimism that we have, even in the worst of times. Luke one thirty seven says this, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. When situations seem impossible, God has The ability to change it. Philippians 4, 6 talks about our ability to pray and take our problems to God. He says, be careful, full of care and worry for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. It's interesting that God tells us to take our worries, our our cares from the bad day, and give them to him. And then it says, with thanksgiving. Isn't that interesting that when we're supposed to pray for something... We're supposed to thank him at the same time. As if we know he's already going to be changing the situation. God is always giving hope in bad circumstances. James talks about our prayers and tells us that our prayers, they are effectual. They have great effect and power. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's James 5.16. Every day is a day... That's looking up. No matter how much it's looking down. Lamentations 3.22 and 23. says it is of the Lord's mercies. That we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new. Every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Even the mornings that you wake up. And you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. okay. Even the mornings that, that are bad. That you feel are bad, you have to realize that God has given you that day new mercies. The Bible also says he's loaded you with benefits. I heard it said there was a I've read some books and some I've heard this said that yesterday really did end last night, and that today is a new day. you ever think about that? Yesterday really did end last night, and today is a new day, full of God 's mercy and full And loaded with benefits, the Bible says. God always gives hope. The fourth thing about God in every single day is that in every day, God always gives purpose. God always gives purpose. Uh, In in verse 14 in Ecclesiastes, um, the Bible says that we should consider these different days. That means we need to think about it. We need to think about the bad days. Meaning, why does God allow us to experience the bad days? Have you ever asked that question? Why? We get the answer in the same uh, book that talks about us uh, asking for wisdom. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or different or various temptations these hard times knowing this that the trying of your faith works patience but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing see even in the hard times god has a purpose for the day he wants to work something in you he wants to work something in us he wants to help you be patient okay he wants to work out that endurance as a christian He wants you to trust him. He says he wants to try your faith. He wants to make us more like Christ. Not only does God always give purpose for the day every day, but he has a purpose for us every day. Did you know that? If you wake up and you ask the question, well, what am I supposed to do today? I just want to let you know that as a Christian, you ought to know the answer. You ought to know. There shouldn't be a day that be like, I don't really have anything to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm made for. You ought to know what you're made for. There's always something God wants you to do. And it's it's great. Uh, You shared the verse, Ephesians 3.20. I love this verse. The Bible says, now unto him that is able. Who's him that's able? God. Not talking about us, okay? We're not the ones with the ability. Now unto God, him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. All that we ask or think. God wants to do this great task, this great thing. Uh, the next verse talks about he, he wants to do it in the church, through the church. But he says, according to the power that works in us. God wants to use you. Uh, God has a purpose for you. It's very clear in 2 Corinthians 5. I know we're jumping all around, but it should be on the screen. In 2 Corinthians 5, uh, he identifies our purpose very clearly. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It says, and all things are of God. They're from God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. God brought us back to God through Jesus Christ. And hath then given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only does he bring us back to God, but he says, all right, I'm going to give you a ministry it's a ministry of reconciling. Your job is now to bring other people back to God. He says to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. It says, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Do you know that on every day, every single day, regardless of where you work, regardless of your worldly occupation, regardless of how much money you have, regardless of the type of clothes you wear, the type of family you grew up in, if you are a Christian, you're a new creature that's been given a ministry, and your job description is that of an ambassador. You are the representative of Jesus. Um, This is so important because we have to know this every single day. Uh, do you know that the greatest need of every person, no matter what they're dealing with in their life, whether they deal with addiction, whether they're just a good person that needs to be saved, whether, whatever they deal with marriage, finances, it doesn't matter. Do you know the greatest need of every person? What is it? Or who is it? Thank you. Thank you. Jesus is. Greatest need of every person. Anybody that comes to our church, I talked to our first impressions folks about it this morning. Anybody that comes through these doors, I don't care if they're coming to church and they're saved. I don't care if they're coming to church and they've never been saved before. Every person, their greatest need when they come in here is Jesus. Every person at your workplace, the greatest need that they have is Jesus. No matter where you go. If you're at McDonald's, if you're at Tim Hortons, if you go get Starbucks. I don't care what restaurant you go to or where you go. Every person around you, their greatest need is Jesus. And do you know what? Whether they come here or whether they go there, do you know what? They are not going to see Jesus. He's not there. Because after he died, after he was buried, and after Jesus went to heaven, he stayed there. Did you know that? Jesus is in heaven. That's what the Bible says. He's there. He's interceding for us. He's making mansions and things like this. Do you know who they meet here? They meet Jesus' representatives. They meet us. And this is so important because as I was looking through this passage in Ecclesiastes, I'm, I'm racking my brain like, God, you want me to consider the bad days? And what do you want me to consider about it? And the only thing I could, I could find that he wants us to consider is to consider him. On the bad days, we consider God and who he is. Okay? He is the one that's in control. He's the one that's always good. He's the one that gives hope. And he's the one that gives us a purpose. But there's a third player in every day. We have our circumstances. Every day you're going to have circumstances, and they're always going to change. Every day you're going to have God, and he is always in control. He's got it under, got it under control. He's always good. He's got your best interests at heart. He's always giving hope to those bad situations. He's always giving purpose to you. But there's one other player, and it is you, and it's me. See, every day we have options. Okay, we've got really two options. We get to take a close look at two things. We can look at our circumstances. We can look at the things that we face, the problems we have. Uh, We can look at how I don't have enough money or I don't have this or I can't do this or I don't have this talent or this skill or why did this happen to me or why is this happening in our family or whatever. We can look at our circumstances but we also get to look at Jesus. We also get to look at God. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is which one of these things are we going to allow to direct our hearts for the day? Okay, Uh, Which one is going to direct our hearts? Will we focus on our circumstances or will we look to Jesus? Every single day we have to make this decision. And listen, the Bible is clear that the direction of your heart whether to your circumstances or to Jesus, the direction of your heart will determine the destination of your life. The direction of your heart will determine the destination of your life. If you focus on your circumstances and everything that is going wrong, I promise you, you will have a bad, bad day. But if you focus on Jesus, you will have this constant, consistent optimism based in your relationship with him. And the fact that he is in control, that he is good, that no matter what's going on, there is hope, and the fact that that day, you have purpose. Hebrews 12 says very clearly when it talks about us running our race, which we do daily. It says, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We ought to look to Jesus. The direction of our heart ought to be to the Lord. Jesus is the prize. And whether we looked at days of past or today or a day that we're going to face in the future, we can rest assured that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always in control. He's always good. He's always giving hope. He's always giving purpose. I want to close with just a simple illustration. Um, somebody I knew growing up in a church I grew up in, up in Medina, Ohio, um, one of our deacons, uh, his name was Craig. Craig was in his 40s, and Craig was the guy, he, he had it all going for him well. He had a great family. Awesome, awesome people, great kids, they were successful kids, they were just well-behaved kids, everybody liked Craig and his family. Uh, he was just a great leader in the church, and um, he had a great job, he made decent money, he didn't have any, he, he would seem well-to-do, drove, they drove nice cars, uh, he had a, uh, a really nice home, they had this log cabin style home, it was beautiful, great furniture and everything inside, um, everything in his life, the circumstances at the time were great. So while he's in his forties, um, Craig, one of our deacons in the church, found out that he had cancer. Okay, um, this is a circumstance. Okay, uh, though it's a major circumstance, it's still a circumstance. He had no control over it. Uh, it changed without his. Uh, he, he didn't want it. To, he didn't want it to come. He didn't have a choice in it. It was just a circumstance in his life. But something was interesting and different about Craig. Craig was always optimistic, always. Um, Every time you talked to Craig, he'd always be smiling, he'd always be friendly, and he, uh, I remember talking to Craig, and I don't know if I said something about a bad day, but I remember this, and I remember writing this down, and later on, I guess this is something he just shared with a lot of people. He said this, he said, there are no bad days. He said, there are only good days and better days. That was Craig's thing. There are no bad days. There are only good days and better days. And um, that was the picture, what, what I could see illustrated here in Scripture, is that he had his life anchored to Christ. He wasn't, when, when circumstances came, whether it was a stubbing of the toe, or in his case, cancer, from small to large, it didn't shake him. He wasn't tied to his circumstances. He was tied to Christ. Uh, He had this confident, this consistent optimism that God was in control. God was good. He always had a good attitude that God had, if God wanted to, God could change his circumstances. He believed that. Uh, And he believed that God had a purpose for him. He continued to serve. So my encouragement is that we would do the same thing. Uh, Each day, We would recognize the three players in every day. We have circumstances and they always change. We have God and he never changes. And we have the choice to make. Will we focus on our circumstances or will we look to Jesus?